What is up, everybody? Welcome to the final episode of 2022 of the Dense Pixels podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, joined by my co-host, Carrie. What's up? Uh, Micah was struck down by by the Viddy this week. <laughs> by, by Miss Rona. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he he could not join. He did offer his list of games of the year, his top five, um, which we will give you. And he and he can elaborate on the next time he is on the episode, um, which will be very fun. And we'll talk about uh, our games of the year. But first, we have a light spattering of news this week. Um, nothing crazy monumental. I think the people involved are is the more, you know, the, the biggest uh, stuff. And that includes this first story uh, that the next Tomb Raider game currently in development at Crystal Dynamics is going to be published by Amazon. Yes, that Amazon. Uh, it's going to be just like the other Tomb Raider games that have come before. Um, I guess in order to, you know, properly spend the money um, for, you know, phone or for marketing and for and for things of that nature to make like this, you know, true AAA game. Um, yeah. I guess they needed, uh, I guess, uh, what's the fucking, what's the fucking name of the, uh, Embracer, I guess Embracer Group needed yeah. to reach out to a, yes. uh, a bigger wallet. And for Amazon, I mean, this is a very easy way to get into the mainstream game industry, uh, with very little infrastructure needing to be built. They can just throw a shitload of money at something, put their name on it and get their foot in the door, as they say. I mean, not just that, but like, you know, to Tomb Raider, particularly the most recent games have like they've been good. It's not like they're just throwing they're throwing money at just like a name like the the last handful of games ever since the the reboot have all been received pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this seems like a softball of an investment on their part. Um, but hey, good. I mean, I, I know there were some folks who had some concerns about the future of Tomb Raider after Square Enix sold off Crystal Dynamics and the handful of other Western studios that had previously been under their umbrella. So very cool. So yeah. more to come there. I'm sure that game's probably not going to be out for at least another two years, I would imagine, if not longer yeah. than that. So uh, we will keep our eyes peeled for that. Um Kind of out of the blue this week, Epic Games uh, hit with a $520 million combined settlement from the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, That is the biggest fine levied on a business by the FTC, not just in gaming, in general. Yeah. No no, no penalty has ever been uh, so severe against anybody. The reason that they got hit with this is because the FTC accused Epic games of basically exploiting children to make a fuck ton of money in Fortnite and also collecting personal information uh, from teens. Yeah. So there were two settlements that got levied against them. The first one was for collecting personal information from Fortnite players under the age of 13 years of age and in-game settings that turn on voice and text chat by default. This was a $275 million fine, uh, and Epic committed to change Fortnite's default settings to have these settings uh, come off by default. Uh, The other settlement um, is for using, quote, dark patterns to trick players into making unwanted 
purchases. Basically, what this means is that, like in the skin marketplace, um, Epic made it too easy to buy skins accidentally when you were previewing them instead of, you know, instead of just previewing it, you actually accidentally make a purchase and then made it much, much more difficult to actually get those refunded. Like, and yeah. as, as most companies do, like very easy to buy, very uh, difficult to uh, get the money back when you don't want the thing anymore. Even companies that advertise making it super easy, like steam, um, you still have to jump through a couple hoops uh, in order to, to process those refunds. And then sometimes, according to the FTC, when those charges did get reversed, um, Epic would sometimes ban the account, which would lock them out of any other content uh, that the account had previously paid for. Uh, They were required to pay $245 million into a fund to reimburse players for unintentional purchases. Um, To Epic's uh, – I mean, good for them. They didn't really – fight this um they're not they're not going to appeal the decision um they're not really in much of a position to fight this that they're not but most corporations would at least you know what i mean that's true i mean i think they sort of saw these judgments come down and were like well you got us like it's like it's it it at this point it it probably came down to either we just pay this and be done with it or we spend even more money on lawyers mm-hmm. trying to fight it and then have to pay this much or more later. Yeah. Um so there's a yeah. couple I mean there's a couple things. So like half a billion dollars is basically like half a month's worth of revenue for Fortnite. So like it's not it, it, it is significant but it's not like, you know, they're not closing shop because of this or no. anything of that nature. I also imagine that they're kind of watching what's going on with this whole Microsoft Activision deal that's in place. And Epic's a big company. And I could see Epic wanting to splash some cash around in the future uh, and possibly pick up some big studios. And I'm pretty sure that part of this is also playing nice with the government so that when it comes time for the FTC to review a merger or an acquisition that potentially could happen down the road for Epic Games, uh, they remember like, you know, these epic guys like they, you know, they played ball like they didn't they didn't fight us. And and maybe that greases uh, the wheels a little bit later on. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that has something to do with it. On the flip side, I'm curious as to what kind of precedence this is going to sit uh, set for other sort of like in-game purchases in mm-hmm. in apps and whatnot, like how. How is this going to influence how the government approaches games that have like loot box systems that yeah. don't get received particularly well and whatnot? So, and I, like, let's be pr- perfectly clear. They're right in that, like, a lot of this stuff is tricking people into spending money and being explicitly predatory towards mm-hmm. kids. Um, and they're they're absolutely 100% in the right to uh have have pinged these guys for as much as they did. Yeah. Um so I'm I'm curious as to sort of what the follow up is going to be beyond Fortnite cuz I yeah. feel like there's one coming. So Yeah, and and Epic's um trying to be proactive with some other changes. So some of the things that they have changed uh following the investigation that led to these settlements um, that they say were not in, intentionally exploitative, but they still change them anyway. Um, automatically saving payment data, you have to opt into that now, which I don't know how that was, how that flew beforehand, but okay. Uh, they've rolled back single button 
press purchases. Uh, again, this is a very easy one to do if you're not trying to scam people out of a shitload of money. Like, yes, you yeah. should have a confirmation button because people hit accidental keys all the time. People like, fat fingered shit constantly. Like, yeah. um, they have stopped disabling accounts that seek refunds for fraudulent purchases. Um, they have added uh, self service refunds. Like before, you used to have to jump through again, jump through even more hoops. Now it's a little bit easier, apparently. And they used to have no spending limits at all for players under thirteen. I don't understand how, in good conscience, you could not throttle for you know for for people younger than teens. The uh, fact that that wasn't limits. there already right. shows that they were trying to get kids to spend their parents money right because 12 much 20, you know 10 year olds don't have any fucking impulse control when it no. comes to that stuff dude i have had to walk my cousin through the parental controls on his xbox over the phone because his 10 year old kid spent like 78 dollars in an afternoon on fucking v bucks and Fortnite. right um so yeah that shouldn't have been on me to do it should have there should have been protections there in the first place to prevent the uh, all that from happening to begin with. Now, should my cousin have been paying attention to his kid? Yes, but he's a meathead from Long Island, so of course he didn't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't listen to this show. I'll fucking dug on him all day long. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I obviously the changes that Epic is making are all great. We're all very happy that they're doing them. Um I mean, and, and fortunately, I mean, kind of to your point, like because Epic is doing this, I think you're going to see at least a few other folks in the industry and in some bigger games kind of take a second look at their current practices. Because uh, when the industry leader is getting dinged with half a billy in fines from the federal government, um, you might want to just get out there in front of that to make sure that uh, you're not going to be the next person on the chopping block. Cause, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that would be pretty stupid to just kind of let that fly. Um, finally, Riot Games, please, pretty please, uh, let us out of our FTX sponsorship deal, uh, because that thing is going down in flames right now. They have, uh, they, they have made a court filing, uh, to try to back out of this deal that they signed with FTX, citing irreparable, quote, reputational harm, um, that is part of the FTX bankruptcy case. No, that is no, ongoing. no, fuck Riot. Like, fuck all, <laughs> fuck all these people who invested all this money into FTX. Like, if I, a bingus from Owings Mills, could look at what was going on with FTX with no background in finance, no background in business, and be like, that looks suspect. <laughs> then why didn't any of these assholes have the gumption to withhold themselves from trying to get on board the latest money train and guess what the train went off the rails really fucking quickly didn't it now that uh the founder has been arrested and charged with eight counts of fraud and conspiracy no 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 fuck riot <laughs> fuck riot and their toxic as fuck crunch culture their toxic as fuck misogynistic company culture that by all accounts has not improved that much since we last talked about that shit, I believe, earlier this year. And uh, no, fuck them. I hope they have to live with their shitty investment decisions for as long as it takes for FDX to completely go up in flames. I do agree I do not think that they should, they should to- not be let out of this. Like, like no. you fucking dance with the devil. You got to pay. You got to pay the fee. 
Um, you're right. Like there's so many companies out there that bought into to FTX's bullshit specifically. Like every major league baseball umpire wears an FTX patch on their on their shirt sleeve. Yeah. Very noticeable uh, the past couple of seasons. I think that they should still have to continue wearing those FTX patches and live in their shame. Live with it, man. Live in their shame. Um, also, I mean, the thing with Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, the former CEO of FTX, he was famous for like playing league during meetings. So like Riot Games, like, oh, this is our boy. Like, we want to get in bed with him. He's awesome. This is going to be fucking great. And then the fucking company goes up in flames. And of course, now everyone's looking to uh, looking to get out of it as soon as possible, which is again very funny to me. And apparently, FTX owes Riot uh, six and a half million dollars still. Uh, Riot, get in line with everybody else who's not going to see much much of it. You any. ain't seeing a cent of that shit because <laughs> there ain't there ain't no money there ain't no money to get. No, as as they say, you can't get blood from a stone. So. What the fuck are you gonna do? No. This is hilarious to me, and should and should serve as a cautionary tale to all of these game developers out here who are dabbling or outright like jumping headfirst, Square Enix, into like NFTs and crypto mining and all this other bullshit. This is what awaits you if you yes. if you throw your lot in with these. This folks. is this like this is what's going to happen. Like, not first. First, you're gonna piss off probably the vast majority of your fan base but two it's not going to pan out for you no it's simply not no so so yes i i i hope i hope the uh the league of legends uh you know tournament scene sponsored by ftx uh remains so for a very long time and we can all point and laugh at them like little nelson munces um from afar <laughs> so <laughs> well if you want to point and laugh at video game companies uh, on the internet, you can do so over at our Discord. Uh, the Discord is uh, live, has been live for a hot second over at densepixels.com slash fans. That will take you over to the Dense Pixels podcast Discord, and uh, you can come hang out, chat with me and Brad and Micah and whoever the hell else happens to be hanging around. There's been a lot of conversation about uh, World Cup. Apparently, it was a very exciting final. I mm -hmm. didn't follow the World Cup at all, but I'm happy for you guys. Uh, plenty of other stuff being talked about you know uh gaming news uh wrestling f1 racing the the usual all sorts of video game stuff too on top of all of those niche topics uh and then if you want to see our beautiful faces you can go to youtube.com slash dense pixels be sure to hit the subscribe button while you're there because boy howdy the youtube algorithm sucks so uh <laughs> if you want to help us defeat that algorithm that would be great um, and then while you're on the internet, subscribe to all of the TNP Studios podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. So you can subscribe to the Nerd Apocalypse, Black and Black Cinema, Coming Distractions, and the weekly preview episode of Look Forward. And then if you want to help us keep the lights on, head to densepixels.com slash premium. And for just $5 a month or $50 for the year, you get all those premium podcasts like the airing of grievances, No Time to Bleed, The Men with the Golden Tongues, Upstage Conversation. And uh, the the workhorse of the premium slate, the full episodes of the Look Forward podcast are limited to premium. So be sure yeah. to hop in there. And then presumably everything else will be returning in 2023. <laughs> so. uh, well, I mean, Look look Forward is also off, which is, a sh which is a shame because it would be glorious to be getting on there to talk about the Donald Trump NFTs released this past week. So, yeah. alas, you'll have to wait to hear our thoughts on that um, until next year. But. It's very similar to our 
stance on NFTs and crypto <laughs> in this episode, I can assure you. Uh, that brings us to the 2022 games of the year. Uh, for those new listeners, um, we usually each pick five games uh, that were our favorites through the year. We go around the room and go five through one. Um and, uh, and we talk about them and why they were awesome. Uh, we also on this show do not strictly limit ourselves to games that released in 2022. Um, this is the new to us list. So very often we might have a game that's a year too old um, that we that end up on our game of the year list, which is fine. As it happens for me, all of my stuff is games that all released in 2022, except for okay. one. But okay. nobody cared about it in 2021 and it got popular in 2022. So we're still going to consider that. Uh, a 2022 game for all intents and purposes. Okay. So uh, we we first start uh, with honorable mentions. Um, I don't have any honorable mentions this year. I will only say I did not include Persona 5 Royal on my game of the year list, even though it did release on Steam this year. So you could mm-hmm. consider it a 2022 release. However, if it was in my top five, I would have ranked it at number two. So just know that it would have been my number two game of the year if I ranked it, but I didn't rank it because it technically actually came out three years ago, four years ago at this point. Um, So it's not placed, but it would be if I had decided to do it. Okay. Uh, My honorable mentions are um, Hades, which I, I got, I got the credits roll. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet you're not done. I'm there's, not. I'm really there's, not. There's, a, there's no. an epilogue that takes there's, a long time to unlock. There's a lot. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. A lot of, lot of uh, relationships to build. Um, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people to get back together. I got to do like some nectar runs. Like I'm yeah. running out really yeah. quick. I just have to like put on Dionysus's like charm and be like, all right, we're going to go get some nectar. I don't care what <laughs> happens at the end. I'm just here to get nectar. Um, so... Yeah, Hades is good. Everyone was right. I'm dumb. I should have played it before now. Whatever. Um, Spirit Fair, I mm-hmm. played the shit out of um, mm-hmm. over the summer, and um, that game's lovely. Um, if you have the opportunity to grab it, you should do that. Um, and Trombone Champ, because <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that a game has made me laugh consistently as hard as Trombone Champ has. And they've been really good about adding more fun songs and whatnot and the fan made content is hilarious um yeah trombone champ is uh a delight so i would really enjoy that game to come out like 15 years ago and really take the (laughs) piss out of the uh out of the you know plastic instrument genre that existed oh i still feel like we need like a plastic instrument like way to play trombone champ it would be pretty cool so Um. Uh, Mike is number five um, was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Um, I, this was very much on my radar, but I, I did not actually purchase it this year. And I really should go back and, and remedy that situation at some point. Uh, but that was his number five. And again, he'll tell you all about it next time he's on the show. Uh, my number five is a game that and, and that I've talked about on this show a little bit. Um, it, for me, is the perfect epitome of what a sequel should be uh, in the video game industry where you take the core mechanics of things that work really well in the first game and just improve all of them and add lots of new shit and make it really pretty. Um, I am referring to Rogue Legacy 2, uh, which came out on 
uh, on the Switch and Steam and a couple other platforms uh, this year. Again, this is like Rogue Legacy was one of the original um, like 2D, like more mainstreamy roguelike games. And it was really good, um, but it was very much a 1.0 effort. You could tell, right? Rogue Legacy 2 just took what worked about that game and just refined it, added more classes, added more power-up abilities, added extra areas, added new enemies that behaved in really unique ways, added just really, you know, made the classes play really distinctly from one another, um, even more so than they did in the first game. Really gave a lot of replay value and a lot of great ways to play. I'm 30 hours into the game. I still have not beaten the game yet, uh, which is, you know, a ton of content that's in there and just tremendously fun. Like you can sit there and play Rogue Legacy for 20 minutes and have a good time. You can sit there and play it for four hours and have a great time. Um, fantastic roguelike game. Check it out if you enjoy games like Dead Cells or other uh, 2D roguelikes, especially. Um, it's my number five. Cool. Uh, my number five is Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, which was the expansion that hit Monster Hunter Rise earlier this year. Um, yeah, look, uh, I like Monster Hunter. No surprises there. We've known this for a minute now. Um, Sunbreak is great. Uh, the the new monsters that they've added, the variants have, have been cool. Um, the extra story has been fun. The uh, afflicted monsters are are cool. It's more Monster Hunter. I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, and now uh, Rise and Sunbreak are coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X Mm -hmm. next year. And I think the Steam version is getting like a graphical upgrade when that also comes out. Um, So now if you are a uh, person who owns one of those consoles and has not yet played the game on switch or pc you will be able to play it too um please do it's very fun would you so so if someone's getting into monster hunter for the first time would you recommend they play this or monster hunter world first either is fine i would honestly probably say that rise is probably a slightly more accessible Mm-hmm. than worlds but both are pretty newcomer friendly so cool uh mike is number four marvel's midnight suns which he just talked about in our most recent episode before this uh it must the combat must have been really good to make up for uh the dismalness that was the uh between mission stuff that he that he talked about last week so yeah it warms my heart to see it to see Mike <laughs> getting into a a card driven uh card driven action game so very fun uh, my number four, also a card-driven game, also a Marvel game, not oh, Marvel's no. Midnight Suns, though. Marvel Snap, my number four <laughs> game of the year. Uh, this, hands down, is my favorite digital card game, um, not like not roguelike, but like digital collectible card game that I've ever played. Um, it beats the shit out of Hearthstone for me. The thing that is the magic sauce that makes it work is the short, you know, five to ten minute matches. Um, six turns, that's all you get. Um, you gotta, you know, build your deck the best way you can to optimize those six turns. Um, you know, the guessing game against your opponent, um, you know, trying to outthink them, outbluff them, uh, the game within the game, as it were really satisfying, uh, the frequency at which rewards are given to you. Great. I haven't felt pressured to spend a single dollar in this game. And I've probably put, uh, at least, you know, 25 to 30 hours into it at this point. Um, 
And it is one of the most friendly monetized free to play games that I've seen. Um, there's certainly stuff in there that can get you in trouble um, if you're inclined, but you cannot really pay for power in order to, you know, make, just make yourself better because at the, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what cards you have. It, it really matters in, you know, the way that which you construct decks and the way that which you execute the playing of those decks uh, is also equally important as well. Cause you can really fuck it up if you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing. Um, yeah. Marvel snaps. Excellent. And I highly recommend it uh, to anyone who is even partially interested in getting into card battlers. My number four is not a game that came out this year, but it is a game that I played for the first time this year and really, really enjoyed. And that is Outer Wilds. Um, I, uh, I was basically bullied by a member of my band into playing this game because he was aghast that I had not played it before. <laughs> um, so I grabbed it when it was on sale for like $8 and uh, I would say I got my $8 worth. That's a really, really good game. Um, that's uh, it's, it's got so much going for it just in terms of like the, the world building and the lore and the story and the puzzles and everything. Um, I haven't done the DLC I don't really intend to do the DLC because I hear the DLC is kind of spooky and I don't do spooky. So uh, (laughs) I'm content with having played the game the way that I did and uh, reaching the conclusion that I reached. So, yeah, Outer Wilds was just a really lovely experience that sat with me for quite some time. So cool. On to my number three is Mike is number three, Marvel Snap, uh, which we just talked about a little bit ago. Uh, my number three should come as no surprise to any regular listen listener of the podcast. I have gotten really into um, driving games in the past couple of years, um, especially ones that like have one foot firmly grounded in simulation, uh, maybe one and a half feet in some cases. But Gran Turismo is more of the one foot in simulation. Uh, Gran Turismo 7 was exactly everything that I wanted the game to be um, the first numbered Gran Turismo game in eight years to come out. Wow. Really? It's really been that long. Yeah. Oh. Or, uh, seven years, seven years. No, eight. I was right. The first time it's it, 2014 was the last one. Um, and the years it's, start it's coming and they don't stop. They coming. Certainly <laughs> do. Um, it's great. They added a lot of, uh, it's the traditional like GT single player experience that, you know, and love. They took the best parts of Gran Turismo sport, uh, and added them in the mix in terms of like the online multiplayer and things like that. They've been very frequent with adding, stuff to the game as well, including like new cars, new, uh, like, you know, uh, circuit events, new thing, you know, just new stuff, more stuff to do. Um, it is truly a ode to cars. And it is one of those games that even if you're not like a car person, um, you can't help, but kind of be taken in and enchanted by the obvious love that the people working on this game have for cars and, and for, and for racing and, and things of that nature. Like it, it shines through, uh, in the game, sometimes in very corny ways, uh, but usually <laughs> in very earnest ways. Uh, the driving feels excellent. It is a ton of fun to play uh, on my little sim rig uh, that I have set up. And it looks gorgeous. It sounds gorgeous. Yes, even with the silly, you know, faux jazz, con, uh, you know, soundtrack that the Grand Turismo games are pretty famous for. Um, I love it. I'm going to this this game's going to be on my regular rotation for many many years to come, I am sure. Uh yet it is only my number 3 game of this year. So. 
my number three goes to um, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. So specifically Scarlet, having played Scarlet, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Scarlet and Violet are really great entries in the Pokemon franchise in terms of what they're doing with the world and what they're doing with the storylines and what they're doing with everything. And it is being held back significantly <laughs> by a slew of performance issues, which is unfortunate. Um, I had a blast with Scarlet. Uh, I love all the characters and there's so much about the game that is, that is fun. And when the game does run well, it runs great and it's seamless and just like, everything about it is is what i want out of an open world pokemon game and um it needed an extra four months in the oven i think just to... <laughs> I, th I think i think yeah. it needs a new a new uh hardware platform to be, yeah that too i to mean i guess on, like, honestly we've been over this i really don't think it's being held back quite by the switches hardware limitations as much as it is by you know a rushed development cycle mm -hmm. to get it out in time for the holidays um again hopefully we will see further patches that continue to improve performance um i feel like a lot of this stuff can be fixed um with future patches and dlc and whatnot but uh yeah pokemon and scarlet is in general the direction that i want to see this uh series go uh pokemon is the reason i got into video games in the first place 25 years ago so i i would love to see it continue to grow and improve uh, and evolve in the nature of Pokemon itself. Uh, and, and this, this feels like it's going in that direction. It's just, it sucks that, uh, it was so marred by yeah. so many issues on release. So something tells me that is not the last we will hear of Pokemon on your list. <laughs> no, up, so. not even a little bit. Uh, number two, Mike is number two game of the year. Uh, should not be too much of a surprise to most people. God of War Ragnarok, um, which you will see at the top of many people's game of your list. Um, he talked about it a little bit last week. Um, it's more God of War, which is a great thing for a lot of people if you're if you're into that. So um, I'm sure I'll have more to say. I read this, the synopsis on the story. It seems very God of War. So that's that's all well and good. Uh, my number two was a game that came very close to being. My number one, I I almost knocked off my number one game uh, for this one. Came very very close to doing it. In the end, I could not, I could not pull the trigger. Um, but I still think this is a very worthy number two game on my list, and that is Vampire Survivors. Ooh, okay. What I, I mean, talk talk about a game doing the most with the least. Like to look at this game, you wouldn't think much of it. Like it's got this very like eight bit art you know pixely art style um as far as the gameplay goes like it's an auto battler like the only control you have of your character is moving them around the screen um and enemies are coming at you and all of your weapons are on cooldowns and they fire off automatically but that that itself is the challenge like getting yourself in position to best optimize your weapons picking up new weapons evolving them into very powerful weapons the slew of options you have in the game between the different weapons that can drop um, it is also, I, I heard someone describe it as like a friendly dopamine machine essentially, because <laughs> it gives you like that loot box slot machine, um, 
you know, like those dopamine hits of like constantly unlocking stuff and seeing seeing the things explode and seeing the numbers pop on the screen and seeing your guy get more powerful in a very short amount of time and just seeing the numbers go up. But it but without any of the predatory stuff like spending money and, and things of that nature. Instead, it just sucks all your time uh, like a, like a time vampire of sorts. Uh, this game is so much fun. Um, they just released a DLC for it. And the coolest part about it is it's so cheap. Like, like the cost of entry is negligible in this game. The base game is $5. The oh, DLC yeah. I think is $2. You know, and, and I think, I think it just released on mobile phones this week and it's free. I think it's free to play on mobile phones. Like literally no one has any excuse to not play vampire survivors. It is so much fun. I sunk nearly 40 hours into the game Holy this shit. year. It's so good. The soundtrack's <laughs> incredible. If you like chip tunes, it's really fucking awesome. So many characters in the game. Again, so many weapons that you can unlock. So many items. So many things to do. Um, achievements out the wazoo. Like if you're on Steam, the game has 150 achievements, and you constantly are unlocking those. Like even more dopamine as you go along. Like like I have 132 of those, I think, or something like that at this point. Um, just a tremendously fun game. It came very close to dethroning my number one game. Um, I still think number two is a hell of a place for vampire survivors to end up on a game of the year list. And it's going to be there for a lot of people's game of the year list. Yeah. My number two is Pokemon legends Arceus. Um, <laughs> unsurprising as we just alluded to, uh, look, I think legends Arceus was a massive step forward for this franchise in a way that I don't know that people really expected the initial trailers. People were just like, Oh, it's just, breath of the wild but it looks worse and um like the the smooth way in which you just go right into battles or right into catching something and stuff like that the fact that like sometimes pokemon are going to be really fucking aggro at you and you either need to send your own pokemon into battle or risk getting headbutted um like it it makes the world feel more real than it had been before um, the fact that it is set in the sort of ancient past of um, of the the universe is is cool and interesting. The storyline I thought was really interesting. The characters I thought were really well written, especially for a Pokemon game, um, which typically does like surface level character <laughs> writing. Um, yeah, just super super fun across the board um and it runs much smoother than pokemon scarlet and violet i would consider like i think overall i liked these games about the same amount mm -hmm. but i think i had to give number two to arceus basically because it was a bigger step forward for the franchise when it came out at the start of the year and it runs better so um yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I hope we get more of like the Legends style games. I would love for them to go deeper into some of the other lore of some of the other legendaries. Um, I feel like that's very much uh, some untapped potential for them to do more of that style of game um, while still having the the rest of the mainline franchise be more contemporary, I guess you would say, mm -hmm. in terms of their setting. So. Very cool. I now know your number one is so I'll, yeah. Uh, it's gonna be fun to hear you talk about that. Yeah. Uh, mine and Micah's number one game. Uh, I feel like that since we've been doing this, me and Micah have lined up on our number one game of the year a lot. 
Like, I don't know the exact count, but I feel like it happens a lot. Um, to the surprise of nobody, we've been talking about it all year long. It's Elden Ring. Yeah. It's Elden Ring. <laughs> um, I've not been so taken in by a game um, for a while. Uh, I, I will, I will say it's been, it's been a little bit the, what this game achieves, um, is very impressive. Like it's, it's an enormous game and yet it still feels very small. Um, it's a genre defining game. Like I, I think that this game is, um, kind of the next evolution that we got started on the path from breath of the wild on in terms of this, like how open world games should be envisioned in this day and age. Um, I think, again, this is an, an evolution of that. I think a lot of games are going to take a lot of lessons from this one in the future. Um, some of them will not take the right lessons, uh, <laughs> and, and and hopefully some will. Again, it did, it did open world better than any game that I've ever played before um, because the sense of exploration felt genuine. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the world unfolding before you felt real. I mean, there, there's a point early in the game and this, this example gets thrown out a lot, but it's early enough in the game that I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything where you open a treasure chest and this treasure chest takes you to a part of the map that you haven't explored that you are underprepared and underdeveloped to be able to do anything in. And you're stuck in this fucking cave. And the solution is to fucking run, <laughs> like just run out of there. And and you feel lost now. Fortunately, once you're out of the cave, you can you you know get back to where you were pretty easily. But just kind of throwing the player and really showing them like, no, this world's humongous. Like you're in a part of the map that you don't even you you couldn't even conceive existed yet. Like that's that's the kind of thing. Um, you still have like the souls like dungeons in the game. Like you still have those areas. Um, they're just kind of spaced out. They're 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 in the game world now. Um, they're spread apart a little bit. It made this very obtuse, very niche genre of souls like games accessible to a mainstream audience, which I think is also no small feat because these are some of the best games that have come out, uh, by most people's estimations over the past decade and a half. And I think that from is probably going to see the residual effects of that. Um, I think there's gonna be more people going back and checking out, you know, the Dark Souls series, checking out Bloodborne, checking out Demon Souls and things of that nature. Um, just a tremendous, tremendous game. Even if you put in a fraction, like I, I did not beat Elden Ring. Like I, I played 60 hours of Elden Ring. I got, I don't know, halfway through the main story. And yet I still feel like I experienced as much as I would experience in like a full game between all of the different, you know, paths that you can walk down and the kind of the natural encounters that you have as you go through the world. Um, those tell stories. So like, you don't, I don't feel like you have to complete this game to experience this game. So even if you're kind of like, you know, put off or daunted by, you know, this, you know, 90 to hundred hour open world RPG, you don't have to <laughs> like, like, I feel like you can have a great experience without seeing a lot of the stuff that the game wants you to see. Tremendous, tremendous game. There could be nothing else that was game of the year in my eyes. Um, and so Elden Ring is my game of the year. It's Micah's game of the year. Um, because there's two of us, it has to, I guess, be the consensus, uh, dense pixels game of the year, even though, even though I might, if Micah ever plays Carrie's number one game of the year and he really likes it, then perhaps in the future that could be, <laughs> that could move up on the list. Cause I also, 
really like Carrie's game of the year, even though it did not make my top five. Yeah, my game of the year is Pentiment. Uh, no, <laughs> shouldn't shouldn't be a surprise um, given how much I've gushed about it. Um, yeah, uh, just an honestly brilliant uh, experience. Um, like, yes, it's a it's a visual novel, but it's a it's a mystery, and um, there's so much to do, and just there's not enough time to do anything, and that's that's the whole point is is you you're never going to have enough time to to do everything that you would want to do um the that clock stops for no one um not for you and not for the archbishop uh <laughs> uh it's uh it's an experience that that like really really sat with me um for for quite some time after finishing it i haven't started a new playthrough yet i'm kind of glad that i waited because they actually just patched the game to um do some slight quality of life things like uh you're basically able to adjust the text speed now which is huge for me as someone who Mm -hmm. reads really fast um and they added a smithing mini game that wasn't present in the initial launch and i think that's neat um, and they're also doing like historical updates, like people fact check them on some stuff and they were like, okay, cool. You right. We'll fix that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it is like Pentiment is, is really the embodiment of, um, all of the best obsidian narrative skills, like the the whole team and it was a team of like 12 people at obsidian that put the game together um and yeah it's the the amount of care that went into this game the amount of like passion not not just to craft an intriguing narrative but to craft an intriguing narrative set within the specific time period of the world that this takes place in and the attention to detail and the fact that this little Bavarian town feels very alive because of how well it reacts to everything that you do. Um, just an absolutely brilliant experience of a game. And um, I'm not going to sit here and say it's for everyone because it's not because some mm-hmm. people aren't going to want to play a mystery game that is essentially, you know, people are like, it's a book. And I'm like, I fucking guess it is a book then. <laughs> um but you know that's fine not everything is for everyone um but pentiment is exactly for me as a fucking ding dong who really likes that period of world history and really likes to be able to cite cicero in my video games and be punished for it and (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah just everything about it was just really really good and i look forward to playing through it again now that it has received a significant patch so it's it's a game for me that kind of weirdly enough like playing through this like ah i understand now why carrie is obsessed with fallout new vegas like because if this is the (laughs) if this is the level of if this is the level of like character and story and and narrative that new vegas provides over the other fallout games in the series like i get why you've played that game like a dozen times yeah at this point so and i'll do it again (laughs) Uh. so very cool um but yeah that is our that is our game of the games of the year list our top fives um i would love to hear 
your guys's game of the year list. If you join our discord, go to densepixels.com slash fans. Uh, give us your top five uh, in the episode discussion channel, um, because that would be very cool to hear, because that also sparks uh, interest for me in terms of looking at some games that I might have missed uh, that I need to go back to and check out. And uh, if you want to buy games that were on our list that you haven't played yet, you can do so by going to densepixels.com slash Amazon and um, Fund that Tomb Raider game, I guess. But uh, we also get a little little bit of that. Skim a little bit off the top for us and uh, send that our way so that we can keep this show going for you. Um, so, yeah. And that takes us to the Dense Pixels post office. That's right. The uh, final will, post office. Yeah, of this year. Uh, we will start with Ricky, uh, who compares to... Legends of their sport, quite frankly, mm. to to God amongst men, uh, two of the greatest of all time. Of course, we are talking about Argentinian footballer Lionel Messi and Pokemon trainer extraordinaire Ash Ketchum, uh, soon to be retired. Uh, Ricky says he doesn't think it's a coincidence. Uh, both <laughs> born in 1987. Uh, both never saw Argentina win a World Cup. That's technically true. Uh, both left their town as a young boy. In, in the pursuit of greatness and both are now the 2022 champion of the world. Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't talk about it, but I, I do want to briefly go over the fact that the uh, Pokemon anime is ending uh, mm. Ash and Pikachu's story in January or starting in January. They're doing like an 11 episode, like final arc for Ash and Pikachu. Uh, I'm a little heartbroken about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, he had to win eventually, did I know, he not? And it's like, and it's one of these things where it's like, he finally did it. He finally became the very best, like no one ever was. Mm -hmm. And like, what do you, like, what do you really do with that character after that? I mean, um, if you're, if you're to believe the video games, he sits on top of a mountain waiting for people to, cha to uh, challenge That's him. Red. Oh, that whatever. is a different character. Um, <laughs> Red and Ash are not the same character. I will write a thesis about this. Don't get me started. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I've. Is he still Pokemon since I was eight years old? Is he is he still a 10 year old boy in the anime? Like, yeah, basically, yeah, he's, he's still, not eight, he, you know, like Bart Simpson. He's not aged at, at, that's at correct, all. Yeah. OK. And like the, the showrunners have basically said, like. He doesn't need to age like. Why? Like, why would he? Um, I mean, like, to be fair, like having. Uh, you know, really sad 35 year old Ash Ketchum traipsing the world uh, to, to become the Pokemon master would actually, could actually be a really compelling story. Well, I mean, for the older generation, maybe. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll get a time skipped Ash because they have announced they're starting like a, a new season with new pro tags and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, so my first exposure to like I was watching the anime before I was playing the game like mm. I was getting up before school an extra half hour early so I could catch an episode of the Pokemon anime before I had to catch the bus to elementary school. So yeah, it's a it's a little it's a little bittersweet the idea that Ash's story is coming to a close and that we're not going to see any more of Ash and Pikachu. It it feels like it's it's one of those things that I think you sort of take for granted. You know, mm -hmm. it's it, it felt like they would always just sort of be around in the same sense that like, you know, whether it's Bart Simpson or Mickey Mouse or whoever, like these ageless, timeless kind of characters 
um, that are just always like they're always there and nothing. And there's something comforting about how unchanging they are. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, stoked to see Ash become the like the Pokemon master, like the the world champion after this like tournament of champions. But uh, yeah, I I understand from a writing perspective that like. What, you can only like, do so you, much. What, well, you can only really do so much yeah. at that point. Um, I I much prefer, I, I will say I prefer to see them do this than sort of what, you know, like Dragon Ball does, which is like, all right, there's an even bigger threat. And now we've got to change their <laughs> hair color to something even different, yet even more powerful. Like, no, it's fine. It's it's time. I understand. But I'm just like, oh, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Johnny also says that uh, another thing that you could add to this is they're both four foot ten. <laughs> Leo, Leo, Leo Messi's a little guy. He's a little guy. Uh, Cam that. asks, do you all stock up on end of year holiday sales or do you rationalize there being a reason you didn't bother with those games in the previous month? I am very much a like when I see a video game, my rationale for buying a game over not buying a game is I assign a personal worth of each video game when it, you know, based on reviews, based on what I see. And there are just certain prices that I will not pay for certain games. Like some games I have no problem dropping, dropping a 60, a $60 spot on. Um, some games come out at $30 and I'm like, I wouldn't pay more than 15 for that. Or I wouldn't pay more than 20 for that. And I wait for those games to go on sale uh, before I pick them up. Uh, Tunic is a good example. Like I would really like to play Tunic. $30 is a bit too much. Um, for my tastes for tunic, 24 yep. is a bit too much for tunic. I've seen, I've seen it on sale for 20% off a lot. I'd like to pay between 15 and $20 for tunic. Like, like if tunic ever comes out at 1799, I will buy tunic at that point. So yes, end of your sales, a great opportunity, uh, to pick up a lot of those games that you've just kind of been waiting to pay a little bit less for. So I, I, I definitely stock up. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to pick up Sonic Frontiers because that just that like that finally went on sale for the first time. I'm mm-hmm. honestly shocked it took them this long. It's been like six <laughs> weeks since the game came out. I figured that was going to go on sale after like three weeks, but no, um, it got good reviews, so they left it at full price for longer. So, eh. um, yeah, so that's like forty two dollars right now. I'll pay forty two dollars for Sonic Frontiers. Um, similar similar thought to you on Tunic though. I would love to play Tunic. Eh, I'm not paying thirty dollars yeah. for Tunic. So, yeah. Uh, Dan Daniel asks, "How about a bottom five games of the year?" So, like, bottom five or or disappointing games are tough um, for me because I don't stay playing stuff that, that sucks. Like, like I I will not power through something because I'm not because we're not like reviewers. Like, it's one thing if you're a reviewer and you have to play a lot of games and and yeah. you know a decent amount of games that you might not really be enjoying because you need to write a review on it. Um, since we're not in that position. I don't I don't suffer through stuff that's not jiving with me. So like and if you just want a list of games that haven't really jived with me this year, um I don't really think I have too much. Um most of the stuff I've been very very deliberate and cautious this year about buying stuff. And most of the stuff that I played this year, um if it did not make my top, you know, my top games uh was either good but just not worth, you know, mentioning in high regard or merely fine and not worth mentioning in high regard. But I I, I don't think I've played anything this year that was actively bad that I can yeah. think of. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Me either. I just, I, I don't think I even bought anything this year that like I played and was like, yo, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like everything I bought this year, I enjoyed to yeah. some extent. So, yeah. Uh, Casa asks, have any of you all had a moment in a game that made you pause or have to step away for a bit before resuming play? Frustrating boss, a sort of twist, character death, etc. I mean, how spoilery can we get? Uh, what's the game? Pentiment. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know if we want to spoil Pentiment yet. Just All right. It's, uh, it's still it's still pretty new. Um, yeah. I will say that there is a character death in Pentiment that um, <laughs> made me need to take a walk. Um, Wait, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, like, I I feel like I know which one it is. But at the same time, like that person's death is mentioned in a very non-dramatic way. So like, I'd be surprised if that made you step away. If it's who I'm thinking of. Uh, Start to the sea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I dude, I, I dude, like, <laughs> there is, there is a moment with that character where you try to like, to run to like get out of town before shit hits the fan. And the game shows you like, when, whenever there's like the persuasion check that you have built up over the course of your whole relationship with this person, there's a thing that comes up and it says like convince so-and-so to leave town. And basically it's like, you were too nice to him. Yeah. I'm about to say it's, it's funny. It's funny. Cause much. it almost, it almost punishes you for playing yeah. in, in a, in a optimal manner. So very neat. So, so that, and then the the death that follows with that character, and and yeah. the way that his death ex- is explained, I'm just like, oh, this sucks. Uh, for me, <laughs> um, my my moment of this um, led to uh, one of my one of my favorite gaming moments to talk about. Uh, it was 2005. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Three okay. had just came out, uh, and I was locked in the sniper battle with the end and I just could not figure that figured out and like it was pissing me off I was spending multiple hours like trying to beat this old fucking man with a sniper rifle and I just didn't get it like for whatever reason like the way the mechanics of the fight just didn't click with me so I was like I need to step away from this game I ended up not playing the game for about a week um and then I came back and then I came back to the game and this fight has a in-game mechanic that looks at the clock on your on your PlayStation 2 console. And I don't remember how long you had to be away. I think it's like two days. Yeah. So like if, if you're away for multiple days and you and you left off at this fight, when you come back to the game, a cutscene plays where Snake walks up on the dead body of the end who died from old age, uh, in this battle of wits, uh, between you and he, um, and you don't have to do the fight at all. Like you just get to fucking mosey right on past it, which was incredible at the time. You're just like, (laughs) like, I just like even more so than like the psychomantis thing. Like, I'm just like, I don't fucking believe it. Like, this is insane. I can't believe this happened. What a crazy thing to happen in a video game. (laughs) Uh, so. I think the most like the I want to say the time I got like so mad at a game that I had mm-hmm. to walk away because I was like stuck on a boss fight. 
Um, trying to finish the first Kingdom Hearts when I was trying to run through those games a couple years back. Mm-hmm. Um, that Ansem fight, I threw myself at that fight for like 45 minutes. <laughs> and I just like, I would reach a stage in that fight and I would, and I would die and I would get up, try again, be like, all right, cool. I'm going to do this differently. And I would get like a little bit further, but still like within the, within like that stage of the fight, I would still die. And I eventually got so fucking mad (laughs) that I just like turned the game off and I watched the ending on YouTube Mm -hmm. and I started Kingdom Hearts 2 after that. I was like, (laughs) I don't, I do not care enough about this series to have the pride to have to have done it myself. No, Mm -hmm. I don't fucking care. I... I don't need to beat the piss out of Billy Zane. I will just simply watch the ending on YouTube and move on with my life. But I was, dude, I was fucking, I was mad at that fight. (laughs) (laughs) I don't usually get that mad at video games, but I was like, I was like pacing around the room. I was so fucking pissed off at that game. I want to say that's the most mad I've been at like a video game was at Kingdom Hearts 1. The most the most recent example of this for me, I didn't get mad at this, but I did have to back out and kind of reapproach. Um, I got stuck for 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 a little bit on the on the uh, Akuma fight in um in Persona Five. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, that fight sucks, dick. It does, <laughs> and it really like it's like, hey, have you been paying attention and have you really learned how the mechanics and the battle system work? Because if you didn't. You're gonna get your shit fucked up, and I like, cheated my way through that. And I actually, what what I did was I cranked the difficulty all the way up because uh-huh. you do more damage. Um, so it just it made it that much faster. No, so, so like, I, if I was getting through it in like one hit every single time, then I was fine. I um, I face planted um on that fight about three or four times, and I was like, okay, let me rewind the clock. Let me go back to the day before. Let's do some grinding and mementos like let's fucking gain some levels here and then like w- when i did the fight like the last time like it finally clicked with me i'm like oh like you really have to fucking go go to town on the baton pass mechanic like that's the only yeah. way that you can get your damage high enough to really to really unless you fucking cheat like i did yeah, or or that yeah you can yeah. you can also cheat as well you, but you no know, like like once i figured out i was like oh really like baton passing is the way to go like so what i would do is like i would have my i would use my items for my party members that didn't have the requisite spell and mm-hmm. then just power up the dude that had the that had the all target spell and just and just you know and lay waste from that point so once i figured that out that first part of the fight got really easy then i died once to like the big the big robot <laughs> dude but then in satisfying persona fashion, like once you get past all that, like you can literally kill a Kumro with one one shot yes. from your gun. So yeah. <laughs> which is which is very satisfying. Yeah. Uh Cam says, of the TNP hosts past and present, who is the most likely to be unceremoniously removed from the network due to blackmail leaks of their explicit fan content? This is of course a reference to the Manu Rose situation going on uh over in WWE. Oh. Uh, who got fired because she had uh, it was discovered that she had a uh, a lewd like only fans equivalent that she mm-hmm. was posting on and so the company like fired her uh toot sweet um which is fine by her because she's apparently making a shitload of money over there um 
most likely to be unceremoniously removed from the network due to blackmail leaks of their explicit fan content. Oh. Micah. Yeah. Yeah, it's Micah. <laughs> it's Micah. So it's, it's Micah. Uh, T Wash says, since the year is almost over, who has the most games bought but not played? The answer also to that Micah. question, also Micah, guaranteed. Yeah. Um and even and, and Leonardo even says, you know, oh, <laughs> Micah, Mike, for, Micah sure. for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> My, Actually, Micah I, of of the hosts, Micah is the one with the least amount of self-control. I, I can give him a run for his money because I did buy a lot of cheap games on Steam that I have not uh, that mm. I've not quite gotten to yet. So um, and then finally, uh, uh, well, actually, this is the last question because Ricky also says my guess it's a plot twist uh, to the to the TNPO's question. Uh, Jay with explicit feet picks for sure. Um, gross. Don't uh, don't do anything with feet. Uh, I'm not here to king shame, but I'm here to also tell you that if you're a foot person, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> So that is it. Uh, the final post office of the year. Thank you very much for your questions. Again, if you are not a member of our discord, you can go to densepixels.com slash fans to join the discord server. Uh, we hope that you do because there's always lots of fun stuff and conversations going on in there. Uh, Carrie, tell the fine people what just went up on YouTube. Yes. You. Uh, you can head to youtube.com slash Baltimore GSO and you can view right now the entire program from Oops All Indies, both the full concert video, which please watch it. It took me like fucking eight hours to put together. I would appreciate it if you watched it. Um <laughs> Uh, but we also have all the individual videos as well. Um, we've got picture in picture so you can see the game footage that was running alongside the orchestra while we were performing the music. Uh, I arranged two songs on this program, including the Four Seasons Suite from Stardew Valley, as well as Paradise Stay Forever from Paradise Killer. A um, lot of other really good songs on there. We did Hopes and Dreams uh, from, or Field of Hopes and Dreams from Deltarune. We did In the Blood from Hades. We did The Kevin Levels from Overcooked 2. Um, people may be surprised to see that we did Mist, but Mist is an indie game. It's just a very old indie game. Um, and boy, howdy, the Mist, the Mist suite that we did, uh, that was like our finale piece. And, uh, that piece has some hands. Um, mm -hmm. that's a pretty musically complex piece. Plus you get to hear me absolutely wail on an acoustic guitar for, for a few minutes there. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall really, really cool show. Um, a lot of stuff that I think from games that people really seem to enjoy, like uh, Celeste and Outer Wilds and Hades and Journey and whatnot. So uh, check that out. Um, all of those can now be viewed at youtube.com slash Baltimore GSO. And then we announced our next theme. Uh, so keep an eye out for our spring show, which will be called Beyond, which is a focus on space games. So, yeah, we're going to do some Mass Effect and we're going to do some Halo and some Metroid and Mario Ooh, Galaxy. Uh, I'm arranging the Metroid stuff, Ooh. so it's probably going to be Super Metroid. Um, but I'm saying which which tune? Ooh, um, it's probably going to be the prologue into Lower Brinstar. Oh, okay, good, good, good. I, I wanted, I wanted Brinstar. Crade's theme. Ridley's theme. Oh, Crade's theme is better. Maybe, maybe Crade's theme too. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I am 
also I'm also doing a Final Fantasy four piece for this uh mm. s- for this uh program because Final Fantasy four ends with a trip to the moon. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm just pleased that you're doing Laura Brinstar because Laura Brinstar. Oh yeah. yeah. Look, there's a lot of stuff on the Super Metroid soundtrack that kicks a lot of ass, but there's also a lot of stuff that's just like weird and ambient. And there's only there's only so much of the weird yeah. ambient stuff. What's the, really what's, what's what's the fucking name of the area? Like my favorite track in that game is a weird ambient track, and I can't remember the area that it's in. Dude, uh, I I could. It's gonna bug you. me. Yeah. It's gonna bug me. You'll so. figure it out. Um, I will figure it out as soon as we're done talking, I'm sure. And then in the um, meantime, uh, I will also be at MAGFest. Uh, QuickSave is not performing in any official capacity, but we're ding-dongs and we're going to bring instruments and set up in hallways and busk here and there throughout the weekend. <laughs> uh, and I am also performing with the MAGFest Community Orchestra, which will be performing in the atrium on Saturday morning at the convention. So cool. you can watch me play trombone. <laughs> like really, real trombone. Really, real really, trom- lead, really lead into that, huh? You, I do play trombone. I know like you for, do. Yes, I know. I, know, I don't mean because yeah. of trombone champ. I mean really getting into the trombone side. The side of uh, yeah. I mean, most of the songs are pretty easy. So yeah. I figured I might as well. Plus, there's like eight other people who want to play bass guitar. And I can, <laughs> if I do trombone, that means I can play on every song instead of just like two of them. So while you are on YouTube, you should head over to youtube.com slash dense pixels and subscribe there as well. Make sure you subscribe to this show as well as all the other TNP studio shows by using your podcatcher of choice, wherever you download fine podcasts. Look, you got a long road trip ahead of you. Maybe uh, download some, maybe some TNP stuff that you haven't listened to previously. Uh, some, you know, some look forward, things of that nature. Uh, you could you could get yourself through your trip that way. Uh, we're also on Twitch by going to dense twitch.tv slash dense pixels. You can also follow our individual pages. Carry us up. It's Carrie. I'm dense pixels. Brad Ser- Terrence is apparition for 10. Uh, that does it for 2022 here on dense pixels. Uh, enjoy your holidays uh, with family and friends. Um, take care of yourself. Be safe. Stay away from the video. It's out there. It's going to get you. <laughs> Get your booster if you haven't gotten your booster yet. Uh, And, of course, thank you very much for watching and listening. We will see you all in 2023. See ya.